The Forum at 8 on SAFM. The heads of court and senior judges of all divisions have requested the Chief Justice as head of the judiciary to meet with the head of state to point out and discuss the dangers of the repeated and unfounded criticism of the judiciary. Criticism of that kind has the potential to delegitimize the courts. Courts serve a public purpose and should not be undermined. Our intention is not to individualize our response to the situation in this country insofar as it affects the judiciary, but to restate the principle, and that is all. We will not, now and in the future, whenever somebody makes a statement, go blow by blow with any personality, however highly, highly placed he or she might be. We, of course, had an option to debate the issues or raise the issues with the Minister of Justice even in this instance. But the personalities to whom statements have been attributed do not function within his realm or sphere of influence. Some of them are arguably senior to him, politically speaking. So it's only proper that we raise the issues with uh, the president because he's best placed in our view to debate those issues, raise those issues with the role players affected. Well, uh, on the forum at 8 this morning, uh, we are asking the question as to whether the judiciary is actually overstepping its bounds. Now, one of the cornerstones of the South African Constitution is an independent judiciary. But recently, we've heard some vocal criticism uh, coming from the Tripartite Alliance uh, in accusing basically the judiciary of interference in government affairs. Now, this has resulted in um, some South Africans warning the country uh, that we could be moving away from the rule of law towards a rule of power. And as you've just heard there from uh, Chief Justice Mukweng Mukweng, he has requested a meeting with uh, the president Jacob of the country, President Jacob Zuma, to discuss what he terms repeated and unfounded criticism of the judiciary. And that meeting of of course, is still pending. So the question this morning on the Forum at 8 is the judiciary overstepping its bounds. And uh, joining me here in studio, Dr. Bladen Zimande, SACP's General Secretary. Uh, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you very much for inviting me, Sakina. Good morning to you and your listeners. And we also have on the line uh, Unkopotse JJ Tabane, who is one of South Africa's leading media and communication specialists, also a community activist and a business executive, a regular columnist for the Sunday Independent and uh, Pretoria News. Thanks for your time as well, um, Mr. Tabane. Uh, thank you very much and, and good morning, Comrade Blake. Yes, JJ. Well, you know, before we get better acquainted, as I'm sure you already have, given uh, that JJ has written an article in which he didn't hold back, especially, uh, you know, when uh, tackling you, uh, Dr. Nzimande. And uh, we'll come to that in just a moment. But I want to start off by basically asking uh, whether criticism of the judiciary and, you know, whether that actually poses a threat to democracy and to judicial independence does it jj no i don't think uh, you know that criticism of the judiciary as such is is, is a difficult i think it is baseless criticism that is a problem uh, and, and and criticism that is not based on 
on on on facts. I think you know, in a democracy, no nobody should be above criticism. No, 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 whether the executive, the judiciary, or the legislature. So I think that the, the debate is healthy. And uh, I mean, I I I believe that somebody like like Congress Blade would agree that that can only sharpen us and strengthen our democracy. That everybody must debate. Where there's a difficulty is where uh, you know criticism of the judiciary is not based on particular cases because the, the, the judicial system allows you to appeal. If you don't like a judgment, I, I'm sure no judge would say you can't criticize it, and then you can go and appeal to another court. That's why courts all the time can give you the right to appeal or what is called leave to appeal. So I, I, I think that we should start from a basis that says that criticism is healthy and it must be encouraged. So when you talk about baseless criticism, um, let me put an example to you. When a judge yes. delivers a lecture in a seminar, a conference, an academic institution, you know, some public space of sorts, um, should that not be debated then in a public platform no, as well? No, debated, especially if, if, if they are not speaking from the bench and they are, they are giving a lecture somewhere enough. I've been looking at some of the judges writing in the papers, even on this very issue that we are debating. Uh, I don't think they're saying that nobody can debate them. But if you said right, that the Western Cape Court is biased against government, I think that is a sweeping statement that is unacceptable because a court of the Western Cape or, or, or the court of the Northern Gauteng High Court, is con- con- it consists of what is called officers of the court. It consists of judges. It also consists of assessors, it consists of advocates on both sides of any case that comes there. You can't lump all those people and say these people are biased. If you don't like that judgment, then go to, to, to Bloomfontein appeal, go to the Constitutional Court. But I, I don't think you can just simply brush them, because judges don't sit and caucus judgment to a point where they can just be lumped together to say this particular court is biased or whatever. If you don't like what they're saying, you can debate it up to the highest court of, in the land. I think that, for me, that is what we need to guard against, uh, so that we, we, we don't say judges can't be criticized, but at the same time we do not brush them with, a, with the same brush because we don't like their judgment. Mm. Uh, Dr. Nzimande? Yeah, no, thanks, uh, <coughs> Sakina. First of all, I must say to JJ, I do welcome debate. It's good that he has written, actually, to criticize us. I don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, we need more of that in our country rather than less. But just a few few things. One, I think, JJ, you are right when you say that the judiciary is independent. But that's not the only point of departure. We have got three arms of the state, and we've got what we call separation of powers. That we we dare not lose sight of. That is not just the independence, but also its separation of powers. And essentially, separation of powers means respect by each arm of the state of the role of the other. It does not mean that the judiciary can rule on parliament, on the executive. But what we are calling for, which we share in the alliance by the SACP, is that, for instance, if a matter regarding which is in the sphere of rules of parliament, comes before the judiciary. The test must be very stringent. That must be set by the judiciary yeah. itself. The first question must be, is this a judicial matter or is this a matter for the rules of parliament? That is what we are calling for. That is why also where I would not agree with you is that 
I know we get drawn. What are the specific cases? I will talk about some of those, you know, uh, I'm sure later in the show, specific issues. But also we must talk about the principles. That is why I'm saying that independence of the judiciary, yes, but also we proceed from the principles of separation of powers and that particular test actually needs to be applied to that. That's the one thing, Sakina. The second thing, though, which is a prior question, which 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 we are un- we are uncomfortable about. It's as if because I'm general secretary of the SACP and Gwede Mandasha is SG of the ANC, can't articulate their own views to begin with. Although in this instance, it's not their own views, their alliance views and their views of their own organisation. It's as if the ANC and the SACP can't comment on any matter critically because there is like this huge thing as if there is a threat to the. I don't believe anyone judge has actually felt threatened by what I have said on behalf of the SACP because judges are appointed permanently, precisely so that they don't just get pushed around, you know, left, right and center. We can't argue for freedom of speech for some and not for others. So we have a right. I have a right, you know. That is why I was disagreeing in my piece in ANC today with uh, Justice Yakub who was saying that you know, there's no way in the Constitution, you know, that uh, judges should listen to the Minister of Higher Education. And, as if by implication, I have no right in the Constitution to actually criticize the judiciary. And the Chief Justice recently himself said, the judiciary is not above criticism. You know, mm-hmm. he is saying now what he's concerned about. Well, I have not had a chance to discuss. I see that they are maybe meeting with the president, you know, to say, there are particular concerns he has. But earlier he had indicated that there is no problem with that. So we must distinguish between attack and freedom of speech. Because now it's as if, if you are a political person, once you say something against a particular or commenting on a particular institution is an attack, it cannot be so. Freedom of expression and freedom of thought must be for all of us. Mm. When it comes to uh, the legislative arm of government, do you believe uh, that uh, there is too much judicial interference, for lack of a better phrase, when it comes to that, when cases are constantly brought before the courts out of parliament? Sakina, I'm glad you're asking that. As I've said, our point of departure is judiciary must be respected. Judiciary must do its work without fear or favor. Okay? But as I say, we have separation of powers. There are certain things that belong to parliament and parliament only. So if it comes before the court, as I was saying, the court must be able to say, is this really a judicial matter or not? Let me tell you the case that is in the SACP we are very unhappy about, Mm -hmm. if you want an example. Uh, is the case that was brought by the EFF against its own hooliganism to disrupt the president during the state of the nation address. The effect of that judgment is that there is nothing we can do in parliament when we are actually faced with disruption. I challenge you, Sakina, you go to court tomorrow to listen to your case and your phone rings during session in front of a judge. The judge will talk to you once and say, switch off that phone or else you are out of my court. Mm. And... If you say no or you defy that, you actually get thrown out. By who? By the police. Because there's also this thing about that case, by the way, that the police can't get into parliament. How else do you deal with that thing if the police now have got no-go areas? In fact, they they say, they were arguing, for instance, that that is 
interfering with separation of powers. Judges use the police in court as long as it's a judge that's giving an instruction and as long as it's the Speaker of Parliament that is giving an instruction. It's not given somewhere else. So you can't say that police... So this thing has got huge, huge implications. It's a matter for the rules of Parliament. What we are saying judges must please also allow parliament to be respected in the same way as their own they expect respect mm. in their own courts. So, so so what is the judiciary supposed to do? I'll come to you in a moment JJ when these cases are yes. brought before them because it's not as if they are now going into that particular realm and saying, you know what, actually we think this went wrong. These cases are brought before them to rule on. Yes. Let me also just extend that very quickly to another matter because we we were thinking, for instance, as an alliance, that well, maybe it's 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 judicial overreach, you know, not intentionally. But we are concerned now. We are not saying it's intentional, but we are concerned about a lecture given by the deputy chief justice in the U.S., which gave a particular interpretation to the separation of powers that we disagree with very strongly, because he said in the U.S. The courts are very reluctant to enter into the political sphere in terms of of taking over and making decisions there, which is true, by the way. But in South Africa, he said, we've chosen to do it otherwise. Where does that derive from? Because the, the founding principle of the Constitution actually contains the issue of separation of powers. Whose legal doctrine is that? So that is what then has made us to be very uncomfortable and also for the deputy chief justice to continue and say the president has got too much powers but we were with him in the negotiations when we finalized the constitution and outlining the powers of the judiciary of the executive of parliament now that then begins to concern us that actually there may be a legal doctrine here that has not been put up front that should be put up front and we should debate whether this thing is in mm. line with our constitution but so but, those but, are the broad issues that we also need to get into but why would that be the natural deduction from uh, that set of events because could it not be a situation whereby the deputy chief justice is merely expressing his view as you were saying earlier you have a right to express yours too it's possible but we are saying you take that view together with some of the outcomes in the courts that we are seeing, then you begin to say, ah, ah, maybe here there is a particular interpretation of our constitution and that we need to go back to these issues. In any case, Sakina, what is wrong in debating 21 years into our democracy about the role of the judiciary? Yeah, absolutely nothing. JJ? JJ? Look, um, there's no, uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Sakina, yes. I'm saying there's no complete separation of powers that is possible, even in terms of our law. There will always be a healthy overlap. For example, the courts are duty-bound to ensure that other branches of our government do not abuse power. That, that role is not for everyone else. Uh, everyone else has to uh, also uh, accept that the judiciary is, uh, are, are going to have to be arbiter of whether or not the Constitution is kept. That's why even when Parliament wants to pass the laws, uh, sometimes they, they need to check with the judiciary whether those laws are constitutional or not. So, you, you know, there, there, there is, there is, there's always going to be a temptation, right, to go into the sphere of the other people. It's a healthy, it's a healthy balance that you need because you need checks and balances. You can't say, please leave Parliament alone uh, because of its rules, because some of those rules may need to be tested. Some of those rules were passed before we were even a constitutional state.
So it, it can't be that those rules are untouchable either. But I do agree with Dr. Zimande that you've got to respect each, each, each sphere of the state to do what it's supposed to do. But there needs to be an understanding that uh, it's not about a bargaining thing that says, no, don't touch us, we won't touch you. The, 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 the judiciary has a, a special responsibility to ensure that all of us uh, respect the constitutional state uh, for example, they have a duty to review the, 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 the executive actions and keep them in check. Uh, and, and that may be interpreted by some as, as overreach. I don't know. I think that if you look at the totality of the, the decisions of the Constitutional Court since it was established uh, 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 you know, over the last uh, uh, two decades, I think it has done well not to interfere with what, what the executive is doing. There are one or two anecdotes you know, cases really that are being raised. The issue of the, the case that's being raised about Parliament is whether or not what happened in Parliament should be allowed, where you are debating inside and suddenly police can be brought onto you. And I think that the, the, the courts then may have been acting or, or, or rather pronounced... But JJ, that wasn't a debate. Sorry, I'm sorry, Sakina. That wasn't a debate. It was disruption. It was disrupting the president, depriving me of my right to listen to the President's State of the Nation address. And possibly yourself, you were waiting for that. So it wasn't bringing in police during a debate. It was disruption, mm. which was seen disruption. by everybody. Yeah. But, 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 uh, and that's why I'm saying the court, the court had to act on the side of caution, because disruption to you, somebody else may say, you know what, I was debating, it was all in the course of debate, you are heckling all the time there, must police be brought in if you are heckling, etc. So I'm saying there is a balance we need to strike on the debate so that we don't throw the, the, the baby with the bathwater. I'm sure that, uh, you know, a balance can be struck. But I don't think you would encourage that a police must just be on stand outside the House of Parliament to be called in all the time. I don't think that's the what way... Do we we do? We what do we do if you have got consistent situation. disruption, JJ? I don't it agree must, with must you. Have to, Parliament must, must have its own, its own police or, 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 or its own security... We don't have it at that. the moment. Yeah. What do we do? We don't have parliamentary police. I agree with you that we need to move yeah, towards well, that now that we are faced with this problem. But let's not have a situation where, which, which may bother on intimidation of people, whatever they, they, their antics may be within the house, because that's a hallowed chamber where people must be able to speak freely. And, and I think that it's something that we need to encourage. I'm not encouraging anarchy. I agree with you completely that uh, where you have a president being disrupted and so on, it's unacceptable. And it, 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 it's not going to be solved by force. Either. I think that it's a matter of leadership in Parliament across political parties to sort it out eventually. JJ, I was saying, if you described court, the judge will throw you out. We'll call the police and throw you out because there must be order. That is why I was making that yes. example, for instance. So Parliament also must have order. No one is saying that there must be no debate. But when people, yeah. what happened in that state of the nation was seen by the whole country. People were shouting and just not allowing anybody to actually ever say so that is why i'm but saying the then that we must also not a, a, a force is the solution force why can't you impl- implement rules that as, as you are going to ab- adopt them next week part of the rules can be punished taken out of parliament but part of the rules you know, is that it... <laughs> jj listen yeah. part of the rules is that if mm-hmm. you don't follow the rules there must be an ultimate sanction well yeah but but it's but I'm saying that the force and, 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 and unleashing police cannot be the solution we want for our National House of Parliament. That's all I'm saying.
you know, and, and I think that the leadership on all sides of the of the political spectrum has got to sit down and sort it out. We can't have a parliament that is becoming a circus. I agree with that, you know. But, but JJ, it looks like post- you're more sympathetic yes. towards hooliganism rather than order yourself. Not you at say all. I'm we not, mustn't I'll, put I'll, I'll either side. To, to <laughs> but you can't also then uh, unleash state into parliament either. Okay, let's move on. And I guess, to bottom line it, what did the judiciary actually say about the situation? I don't think they condoned anarchy, uh, but similarly, I don't think they condoned the use of force in the chamber. So what are they essentially saying? Are they not saying that a solution needs to be found by parliament itself in terms of how to effectively deal with this particular problem? But... We'll come back after the news break. Um, The question we are asking this morning is whether the judiciary in South Africa is actually overstepping its bounds. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Welcome back uh, to the Forum at 8 this morning. And the question we are asking is whether the judiciary is overstepping its bounds. And we're in conversation with uh, Uncle Pote JJ Tabane, as well as Dr. Bladen Zimande. And taking your calls now on 891 uh, Let's speak to Sam in Santon. Good morning, Sam. Morning, Sakina. And morning to Comrade J, uh, JJ and Comrade Blade. I think the first issue morning. is that I did read JJ's um, article. And my first criticism is that you're incorrect in saying that the only way to challenge judicial decisions is through appeals. We do it all the time in academic writing. I feel that any, ask any academic, they'll tell you that the judiciary is always subject to very scathing criticism. Now, going back to the issue yeah. at hand, if we're going to look at the general relationship between the judiciary, uh, legislature, and executive, I feel that there's absolutely nothing wrong with having robust debate and robust engagement. However, it becomes a yeah. problem where politicians would give rather general and gratuitous um, criticism as opposed to being specific. A case in point is that of um, Blake Zimande when he went back and gave the the specific um, case of uh, um, the the one in the Western Cape, whereas even that criticism was not necessarily correct because the court did not say that um, the parliament must be left powerless. In actual fact, they said the parliament must go back and find a solution to the problem. Um, I think even if we're going to look to um, other instances where uh, uh, the courts have been asked to rule on judicial decisions, the test has generally been very stringent because Parliament has been very, um, very circumspectious about impeding on um, on executive and pol- political ground. So it's not fair to merely give a very general, a general blanket criticism and say that all politicians are like this. However, I would say that Blade Zimande is certainly correct in saying that there are certain decisions which are very suspect, and I feel that, J.J., it's very naive to say that there aren't divisions which aren't, um, to a certain extent, not necessarily biased, but ruled in a particular way. I want you to be very cautious of looking at where Agrius say, where Towers say, where Offa Forum will launch its, um, its, uh, its institution against the state, and they're very strategic in finding, look, in finding a home at the North Kauteng Division. Thanks, Akina. Thank you so much, Sam. Sizwe Eteguini, good morning. Yes, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to our guests. Look, Sakina, I think our forefathers uh, envisaged this situation and uh, deliberately uh, developed our constitution in a manner that seeks to, 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 to safeguard democracy and constitutional order. I think I think Comrade Blake is, is, is missing the point. There is there is no one any there is no reasonable person who's saying that decisions of the court or decisions of any other arms of the state 
Mweka could not be criticized. I think criticism is part and parcel of the democratic discourse. But I think the issue that many people are taking offense on is, the, is, 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 is criticism is one thing, but an attack is another. I mean, the language that, that, the, that the ANC is using when they criticize judicial decisions. I mean, I can quote Comrade Kweremantasha, even Comrade Pate himself. I think no one is saying that Comrade Pate does not have a right to feel aggrieved by a certain judicial decision. But I think it's, I think what we are saying is that they have beyond the, a, a, a responsible um, a manner of, of criticizing judicial decision. But I think, I think another issue that we need to look at, look, in Zimbabwe, where, 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 where the Zimbabwe is today, no, Rupert Mugabe did not wake up one day and then call the rally and say, from today we are going to be a dictatorship, there will be no democracy, there will be trembling of people, of, of human rights. Started by small things, the attack on the judiciary, the weakening of constitutional of constitutional uh, institutions, the judiciary, the media, and so forth. So I think that's what people are worried about. We are seeing this tendency from the leadership to which suggests that they are they are, they are beginning to weaken the very same institutions which were, which were created by our constitution to safeguard our democracy. But be, make no mistake, no one is taking covert place rights away to criticize and engage. But I think the issue that many people are offering on is the manner in which the criticism is being unleashed on the judiciary. Okay, and then and it comes back to my initial question, whether criticism of judges, criticism of the judiciary is tantamount to, uh, you know, a, a, a criticism of a democracy or whether it actually has the, un, or could have the unintended consequence of weakening a democracy. Is that what it does? And then, and, and of course, coming back to uh, our question this morning, as uh, we are asking you whether the judiciary is in fact overstepping its bounds, as has been alleged. Uh, Mike Newlands, good morning. Hi, good morning, SK, and to the Minister and your guests. No, uh, the judiciary certainly is not overstepping its bounds. Um, and I, uh, just two quick points. I, I think, firstly, as the Minister alluded to a court and said, you know, the judge would throw out rowdy, uh, rowdy members. Well, he's quite right, they would. But you know what? We don't really have any courts that have rowdy members because generally people respect the judiciary in our country and they respect the the, the outcome of the judges. But when you look at Parliament, where, we, the, where Parliament now, what's happening in Parliament, this is just a layman's view, and I'd love the Minister's uh, comment on it, but we have a situation where a Chapter 9 in, in, uh, institution has ruled that the President must pay back a portion of the money that he stole. Now, that money has not been paid back, and uh, it's being ignored in Parliament. So the EFF have asked the question, when is it being paid back? Now what's happening is they, the, the, the question is not being answered, it's being ignored. And then the, the government of the day, the ANC, sets up another commission, which uh, nobody wanted, nobody called for, which then found the president doesn't have to pay back the money. So now we have a problem. You can't afford in a problem where a ruling has been made and, and people want an outcome to the ruling. He, he must pay back a portion of the money, and he's not. And so what does the EFF do? Because they, they might as well pack their bags, including the DA, and go home because you, you, we're not getting democracy uh, working because you can't just simply go and start another commission and get the answer you want when the one that's legally in place, bound by the Constitution, is ignored because it suits the party in power because they were caught stealing the money in the first place. So it all comes down to the simple question, when are they paying back the money and the nonsense will stop in Parliament? It's not that difficult. Thank you so much there, Mike, in Newlands. Uh, people in Port Elizabeth, hello. Hi, Sagina, and hi to Comrade Blade and JJ. Look, I, I think, Sagina, 
I just want to clarify one issue, and in particular the, the judgment that involved the DA and Parliament. I think it is not correct to claim, as Comrade Nzimande did, that the judgment gives the FF a right to disrupt Parliament. Instead, uh, the judgment deals with the rather the narrow question of whether Section 11 of the Powers, Privilege and Immunities Act rely on by the Speaker to justify the physical removal of the FF members of Parliament from Parliament by police was constitutionally valid. The court found that it was not. This was because the section was badly phrased and thus overboard because it allowed for the removal of members of parliament from parliament and, and, and for his or her arrest was that MPs created disturbance. And I want to, to refer quickly, there were two problems with the sections which rendered it overboard. First, it allows the, the, for the arrest of members of parliament, what they say in parliament, something that is explicitly prohibited by section 58 and section 71 of the constitution secondly it allows for the removal of members of parliament from parliament for causing a disturbance but defines disturbance too broadly quickly the impugned section of the act on which the speaker relied on defines disturbance in an extremely wide manner as an act which interferes with or disrupts or which is likely to interfere with or disrupt the proceedings of parliament but the court found that sometimes robust debate could be viewed as being disruptive and the section could therefore be used to censor members of parliament for speaking their minds in parliament lastly sakina i think it's quite honestly important that and, it, I, and I think it will be helpful that all of us as citizens, including our leadership, to study relevant court judgment to ascertain whether criticism is correct or not, so that we don't become emotional and, and not be objective when we view some of the judgments and we make our comments. Thank you so much, uh, there's Piwo. Uh, let's go to Tulani in Ermelo. Good morning. Tulani? Okay, Tulani in Ermelo. Not there. Let's go to Tiriso in Valcom. Good morning, Tiriso. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try and see if we can come back there. But um, a lot being said by our listeners there, um, no. you know, the callers. And uh, basically, you know, uh, just also picking up on what people are saying on uh, the other social media platforms, uh, Dr. Nzimande, is, uh, you know, they are basically echoing what uh, Mike and others were saying and saying that, you know, it's because issues, questions are not dealt with effectively in parliament that you see these disruptions and this is why the judiciary then has to do their bit when cases are referred to them because parliament is not doing their job effectively and that's why the judiciary is called upon you know sakina there are lots of things we need to correct here let me just start with the spew spew is giving his own interpretation we are saying that the net effect we could not implement the sanctions that Parliament had taken against the, the EFF. And also he's conceding, you know, that Parliament at the end, it's not the role of the judges to try and make rules for Parliament because some of the judgments have got that effect. It must be Parliament that must be allowed even how to deal with rowdy behavior. It's not for the judges to actually prescribe that. That is where the discomfort comes from. But, Mike, also we have to correct these things. Chapter 9 institutions do not rule. They make recommendations. And the public protector made recommendations to Parliament. It's not a ruling. This thing that we, we also now are wanting to turn Chapter 9 institutions into judiciary is wrong. Now, the public protector submitted the report to Parliament. And Parliament is dealing with it. And there's a disagreement, Sakina. You know, because uh, what is the Minister of Police saying? is The Minister of Police is saying, 
Those particular features are security features. The public protector is saying, no, they are for the benefit of the president. Now, there must be processes to deal with that, which is why they are being followed now. There is a parliamentary committee that is actually going to encounter tomorrow and so on. The fact that a question is not answered to your satisfaction does not give you a right to disrupt. If we can have such law as Mike is suggesting, we will actually be in an anarchic Republic of South Africa. We can't that just because Parliament has got rules to cater for everything. If I'm unhappy about Sakina's behavior, which I think is very serious, I must propose a motion in Parliament so that the matter is debated. If there is a feeling that the President is not paying, there, must, there are procedures of actually dealing with that. What they are not doing, the EFF, because they know that there is order and procedures to deal with, they want to grandstand and then disrupt. What must happen? Our own view as the SACP is that they must be thrown out. By the police. By the police, if need be, yes, under the instruction of whoever is chairing in the house. Just like it happens in a court of law when you are disrupting, you are not listening because parliament has got its own rules. So that's, that's our view. There we differ, you know. People think that, so now it means that parliament, the president didn't ask, answer questions last time, Sakin. Okay? What about the rights of those South Africans who would like to hear what the president is saying about this question or that question that has not been asked. It looks like there is this tendency of looking at this matter in a one-sided way, not in a balanced way. Like, J- I mean, JJ, I was, I was saying to him, you know, but JJ, we are actually not, not being biased. On CISW and, and, and the language being used, I don't think that the language, of course we must mind our language, you know, that when we speak, particularly those who are public figures and so on, we must not incite, we must not do all those things. I would accept that, but no one has done that in this matter. Also, Sakina, the other side of, this, of the coin, which we are not looking at at all, is that it can be that all decisions of government gets taken to court, and there is a feeling that some of them are not fair. That has got the danger of eroding the confidence of the majority of our people in our democratic system. I didn't ma- mention many other cases. There is another case which I think is really out of order. It's going to come back a judgment to bite us. This thing of saying that the DA, because it's an election campaign, can call the president a thief. What is that? And it's a ruling of the constitutional court. That thing will come back to actually bite us because we're just opening a season for insults against each other, which is actually against mm. decent democratic rules. Those are some of the things mm. that makes but us that to be concerned. But that seems to be the order of the day, you know. It, it seems as though um, everything has been reduced to insults, hurling insults at one another, um, you know. And, and, and unfortunately, in part, this is what people tune in for. No, I don't think that we should be a society that should degenerate into that. So, you know, I'm very We're sorry. already there, uh, uh, Mr. Nzimani. What, how? How are we there? Because people trade insults on a daily basis. No, we should not. Leaders, not just ordinary South Africans, leaders trade insults on a daily basis. No, which ones? That's too general. Maybe we'll need to discuss that at another stage. We are pointing at particular instances here that we think, like this court judgment that I'm talking about, that you can't have an endorsement of the violation of the dignity of anyone. If I've not stolen, but a court rules that I can be called a thief, that's a serious violation of my dignity, let alone that I'm the president. Let's put that aside. That is a problem. It's those kinds of things that then be- begin to institutionalize 
insults. And we are saying that as a country we should actually not allow that. That is all what I'm saying. And also, the, the point that I'm making is that we must be careful also that we do not act in a manner that the people who have voted us, mm-hmm. yourself, myself, begin to lose confidence in government that they have elected because it can't govern. Mm, I wonder if we've not reached that point already, JJ. Yeah, Sakina, no, no, not really. I think that would be an exaggeration. I think that some of the, 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 the emotional things that are being said by leaders need to be checked. I think that I, I, I'm happy that Comrade Blake is conceding that our language must be put under check. To, to call judges counter-revolutionary, for example, to call them thieves and so on when we lose judgment. Those things are, are not helpful. I know that in a political rally and so on, some of those things, may be said, uh, you know, not, not being meant with all seriousness, but some other people may take them seriously. So, so I think that, that, that way we agree. I think that in terms of rounding up the debates again, I think the separation of powers is not absolute. Our law says that. There are various court judgments that looked at this uh, that say that the, 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 the separation of powers is, an, is not absolute. Uh, it's, a, it's a triangle of interdependence between the judiciary, the legislature, and, 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 and the executive, where none of these spheres is above the law. There are certain things that the executive is doing that are wrong, and the courts have to step in. In fact, there are many, there's over 30,000 cases that are sent to the public protector because the government failed to do certain things, and the courts have to intervene to make sure that things that are in the Constitution that give people, for example, socioeconomic rights, do not become meaningless. And for me, that is what will give... That's what will delegitimize government if we don't implement what the Constitution says about rights, access to water, access to electricity, access to facilities, access to the to rights of freedoms that, that people have fought for. And so I think that the judiciary has a role in, in doing so, so are the other spheres of, of, of government. But it's not, there's no absolute separation where you can say to court, or stay out of parliament. If parliament does wrong things, for example, the speaker knew that it's wrong to bring police. That's why they disguised this police as security. They didn't bring them as wearing their blues. So they were trying to disguise because they knew it's wrong to bring the police to, to just throw people out when it's not necessarily what our current laws allow. So it's important that we are honest about the fact that maybe there's a need for a new dispensation about how you deal with disruption. I think that it's unacceptable for Parliament as the highest gathering of South Africans to be disrupted the way it is now. It's denigrating it, and I agree with Comrade Blake that it needs to be dealt with. But you're not going to solve a political problem by each time you know, bringing police to bait in charge MPs who are, who are truant. If you go to the leadership, must sit down and sort it out. I don't know how. But the but, but solution can't be just bring police and beat everybody up. The view of the Judges SACP is that be, if they disrupt, they must yeah. be thrown out again and again. There we are very firm, otherwise we are allowing Parliament to descend into anarchy. I'm sorry to chip in. All I'm saying is that there, there is a balance. That can't be the only solution. You still have to deal with this matter politically. <laughs> the force is not going to, 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 to balance because you could throw them out and you could have the work of parliament disrupted for... for what is it that must Maybe be dealt with politically? Like, what is it that must be dealt with politically if people are disrupting the well, president from Well, Antara? you are a national assembly. I'm not a member of parliament. You guys must sort it out. You can't tell me that the best way is to just pay to charge everybody. No, how, what do That's you do? But let's not go back to this, JJ. Let's not go back to this. We disagree yes. there, okay?
I disagree with yeah, you, you okay. disagree with me. Let's agree to disagree. As far as the SACP is concerned, hooligans must be thrown out again and again if they disrupt. I also do not I agree with that, you. That, that, no, that's not, even, that's not even the view of the ANC taking to parliament next week new rules of parliament. Yes. I think that you are beginning to deal with the matter politically that way. You are not saying, well, we are, we are just satisfied that we can bring the police. Let's you leave are that. actually saying, let's discuss. Let's, let's leave that aside. Let's leave that aside. I want to come back to this thing that we are, we are trying to get away with something that I won't allow you to get away with, JJ. You are saying that mm. there is healthy overlap in terms of separation of yeah. power. But it can't be by design. Mm. You can't be designing a system that is going to overlap and it, it, it has to it, be it, like it that. Be that's like when... That's you've when... You've got to check... No. You've got to check the abuse of power, Comrade Blade. Exactly. Because if you say leave the executive to do as it pleases, then who must, who must lord over the executive? Because the executive half the time has to be told to do the right things by the court. No, no. You see, JJ, that's another problem, which, by the way, is in your article that I, I was hoping you were going to repeat here. Because your article seems is saying that we must check on parliament yeah. and the judiciary because in the past those caused us pro- We must check on parliament and the executive. Because those yeah. in the past under apartheid gave us the, the gravest program. And we are not talking about the apartheid judiciary and the hanging judges. It looks like no, your whole approach... My, first, my very first point was that you, I agree with you that the judiciary must transform. Please don't discuss yes. mm. my views. Mm. No, no, no. All, all I said is that none of the spheres are above the law. And your sentiment when you call judges thieves is to denigrate them unnecessarily. And but I'm you saying call that judges must, thieves. hasn't happened. You call did. them anti-revolutionaries. Uh, counter-revolutionaries. Um, we call them thieves. When we lost, we lost the cocaine best back in 2008, oh. you said there is no honor among thieves. Who That's said that, said. JJ? Don't speak for me for you something that I, I can, never I can, said. I can, I can send you Go and get that. that. Go and get that. Don't I try and embellish you your argument on the basis no, of I'm certain things that do not, that do not exist. When we lost in court in 2008, you said there is no honor among thieves. I know that for a fact. Go and get that. I'm challenging. I know it for a fact. I'll well, send it to you. And then, and then brings us back to the question that we were asking, is the judiciary overstepping its boundaries? And um, judging by what some of our listeners are saying here, um, they feel not. Uh, but let me read uh, some of the uh emails that have come through. Uh, This one says, uh, the judges of South Africa view themselves not only as independent from the executive, but as a political counterforce to the legitimacy of the executive. Their attempts to influence the strategic politics in this country is opportunistic, it's reactionary, and a direct threat to our freedom and legitimacy of the executive. That's Mageba in uh, Pretoria. And then Sam Ditejo says, I don't think the judiciary as an institution oversteps its bounds, but individual members on occasion perhaps do. A fine example is Judge Nicholson's judgment um, in the case uh, NDPP versus Zuma and was appropriately censured by the Supreme Court of Appeal in a judgment read by Judge Harms. Uh, Because Nicholson's judgment favoured them, they didn't criticise it. In fact, they used it to bring down the administration of former President Thabo Mbeki. This country is a constitutional state and judges understand and follow 
follow the dictates of the constitution to the letter. Perhaps members of the judiciary understand the constitution more than uh, ordinary members from the ruling party who almost invariably assail the judiciary whenever judgments go against them. That's from uh, Sam Ditejo. And that's all we uh, basically can uh, look at uh, this morning. But Tulani and Ermelo, I see we have you back. Uh, let's take that quickly. Tulani? Hello, ma'am. Yes, Tulani. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. Let me firstly and support uh, the views raised by the Southern Communist Party to criticize the judiciary on the basis that all of us would believe and understand that there is no one who is above criticism. Therefore, I think one needs to locate that debate within the level of development of our democracy. It is that all of us will expect our judiciary to serve everybody, irrespective of a class, a gender, etc. We expect them to serve everybody. Now, ma'am, we are having my experiences where we are living. We are having people who are being evicted by farm, by farm owners mm, mm. from their houses. But the moment you go to court, all people, they are losing their cases in a massive way. As I'm talking to you now, where I'm living in Standerton, we are still, still experiencing people who are living up, uh, along the road because of eviction. Okay. From, from, Tulani? from by judiciary. Yes. I get your point, but unfortunately, uh, you know, we are out of time. And, um, of course, this question will remain and people will um, debate about it uh, going forward, I'm sure, as well. But there are more pointed questions, again, that would arise from this that we shall endeavor to get into. But let me just say thanks to our guests this morning, uh, Dr. Bladen Zimande and Unkopotse JJ Tabane, and to you for participating you as fantastically as you reading. always do. Absolute pleasure. Too. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.